to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest was part of a national championship at Louisville seven years ago at UNC Wilmington here in our statewide audience. He took the Seahawks to two NCAA tournaments, was also a two-time CAA Coach of the Year. He's now in year three as the head coach of the NC State Wolfpack. He's trying to take them to the big dance for the second time in his three years in Raleigh. And last night, he and his team took a huge step in that direction. It was Wolfpack 88, number six Duke 66. I saw that Kevin Keats, Wolfpack coach, even ran out and partied with the students by the bell tower last night. Coach Keats, welcome back to the David Glenn Show, and congratulations, man. What was that like? I felt like you needed security guards standing next to you as you uh, got stuck in the middle of that mob. Well, DG, man, thanks again for having me on. Um, it, was a, it was a great win for us. Uh, it was a win that our guys needed for confidence. Um, you know, we had played pretty good basketball, and, you know, we had played three games on the road and was able to win two and then uh, couldn't finish out the Boston College game. And so we had a great opportunity to, what we say, get well and play against a very good Duke team, and I thought our guys responded. Uh, I had a great time last night. It was fun. Um, I got a chance to hang out with a student body who um, who did a tremendous job yeah. uh, helping us win the game. And I thought after the game I would go over to the bell tower and hang out with those guys because they <laughs> helped us win. So it was fun, man. I had a good time. Um, I you know, was very happy with our guys, very happy with our fan base. I thought everybody did a tremendous job. And we just got to c- continue to try to build on this. Kevin Keats is joining us. Follow Coach on Twitter. You can catch some really cool video of what happened, of course, during but after the game last night, either at the Wolfpack's official Twitter handle or at Coach Keats NCSU. Some really, really good stuff from late last night after the game. Mike Krzyzewski said in the postgame, Coach, this is not an Xbox basketball game. These are human being basketball games. And he credited you and your team for just being hungrier than his Blue Devils were. When you think of the human being aspect of it, was it the crowd? Was it like the seniors realizing that this season might be in the process of getting away? You know, what was the human element that helped you play so well? Well, first of all, we played against a tremendous team, um, well coached. They had won seven in a row, and obviously you don't get to number six in the country unless you're really good. Um, uh, that being said, our guys knew that we had to take advantage of two opportunities. Um, you know, obviously I'm a guy who always talks about winning streaks, and we had just came off a loss, and it was important for us to try to get back on the right tracks of the winning column. and. And then we talked about here's your opportunity. You got a good team coming in here. They're really hot, but they're also one of the teams that are, are, is above you in the ACC standings, and you could certainly move the needle or help yourself a lot. And um, I thought we responded. Um, Markel Johnson was really, really good last night. Devin Daniels, I thought, you know, did a great job in the first half. And then DJ Funderburg played extremely well for us and those three. And then we had a bunch of guys who made great plays and, uh, they were role players last night, and uh, they made plays to help us win. But it, it was our mentality. Um, I thought we came out with a defensive mentality, and that certainly put us over the hump. DJ Funderburk said after the game, he called the whole NCAA tournament bubble talk, quote, the elephant in the room. 
I find it interesting, Coach. You know we talk about it as media, uh, and you don't. You know, it's not like you're bothered by that. You know your fans talk about it. You know your players read about it. Why do you not discuss it a whole lot with your players? Uh, what's the What's the upside of just uh, the tunnel vision approach rather than talking about that big bigger picture? Well, I'm that father that thinks that your child can't handle certain things, so you you hide all of the family business away from him. Yeah. Um, in my situation, I, I don't talk, uh, and, and I'm probably um, 100% wrong. I just don't think our guys can handle the talk of, you know, whether it's NCAA. And I think you can solve two problems at once. I think, you know, if you're going to make the NCAA, you got to win games anyway. So why focus on and put that extra pressure on them saying you have to win this game? Um, you know, we're competitors, and our guys on our team's competitors. So, the way I look at it, you have to win every game anyway. So I try not to put that extra pressure on them, saying that this particular game yeah. you have to have. Yeah. You know, if you got to motivate them for one particular game, then I'm probably in the wrong profession. Against Carolina, and I think you addressed this in your post-game remarks last night, when you were ahead of the Tar Heels, you used the phrase, we settled. And ahead of the Blue Devils last night, you kept your pace, your momentum, you kept attacking. Why was that important, and how did you handle that in huddles or otherwise once you guys did have that great start that you mentioned before? Well, I thought we learned. Um, you know, in, in every win or loss, um, you can learn something. And, and that loss, um, I thought we we learned how to continue to play. I thought we took the, the air out the ball at the Carolina game and even some games before that where we stopped running offense, we stopped doing the things that we did to get the lead. And, when you look at the Duke game, um, I thought we continued to run. I thought we got on the offensive glass. Uh, we ran plays. Uh, when they made big plays, I thought we answered O'Connor with big plays. And uh, that's a sign of maturity. And then, you know, uh, it was the first time in a long time where everybody on a particular night was healthy. Uh, you know, we were with uh, eight healthy guys, and we don't have Pat Andrews, but we had four guards that we could put on the floor that were all healthy, and they all played extremely well. We've talked with you about the Markel Johnson story a couple times earlier this season. You know, it's just weird to see a good three-point shooter, a good free-throw shooter kind of crash back to earth this year. You've been around this game forever. Can you make sense of how Markel has gone back and forth between struggling and last night was maybe the best? I've been watching him for four years. Career-high 28 points, nine rebounds, only one turnover the whole game, five out of six threes instead of struggling from long range. Uh, he wasn't reckless. He was unselfish, but he was the star of the game. Have you been able to figure out you know, what makes him tick on his good nights versus some of those other nights? Well, that's what's going to make me go from a, a, a good coach to a great coach. I have uh, <laughs> No, he, I, to his credit, I, I will say this, um, DG, um, a lot of that is preparation and mental preparation and physical preparation. And, you know, I watched him the last couple of days leading up to the Duke game. And, man, he was vocal. He was a leader. Um, you know, he was one of the, you know, the guys who stayed behind and got shots. Um you know, he, he put the work in to have the game that he had, and he deserved to have that game. And what I've got to get with him is reinforce that and continue to say, hey, look how you played when you prepared the right way. Um, you know, I, I even think that he was, you know, getting sleep. You know, he's a guy who doesn't have much sleep, and he doesn't eat great. You know, he doesn't eat a lot of things. And so 
I think he's starting to understand in order to be successful in this game, you got to be mentally and physically locked in and take care of your body and, and make sure you're doing all the right stuff. And he got rewarded for it. So hopefully he can continue to do those things and uh, it'll continue to pay off for him. We know you well enough to know that whether the last thing that happened was good or bad, at some point pretty quickly you turn the page, right? Celebrate, enjoy what you just did, but turn the page, and your next page is a heck of an opponent. Number eight, Florida State. I saw you request uh, that PNC Arena get packed on Saturday the way it got packed last night against Duke. The Seminoles coach... Remind me of y'all in some ways. I mean, you're good at creating turnovers with your defense. The Seminoles, I think, are the best in the whole league at creating turnovers with their defense. That was the first thing that came to my mind on this matchup. What's the first thing that comes to yours? Well, they they play the way I eventually want to play. Um, He's able to play uh, 10 or 11 guys and run fresh guys in um, and and press you and get up and down, and they kind of wear you down as the game go along. Uh, they'll switch one through five. Uh, very good defensive team. They do a tremendous job in transition on both ends of the floor. Um, he's done a really good job and probably don't get enough credit for the job he's done at Florida State. Um, but, you know, we, we're talking about two of the best teams uh, in our league and country that we have to play back-to-back. What's your uh, final message to Wolfpack Nation as you contemplate Saturday? Well, I, I love the atmosphere. I, I love, um, you know, this team's going to fight and claw. And, you know, just like every coach would ask is that, you know, stay with us and stick with us because, um, you know, we don't win the way we won the game if we don't have the support of our students and our fan base. And, you know, when, when PNC is uh, rocking, uh, it's one of the toughest places in the country to play. And, um you know, they, those guys are worth at least 10 points the way they scream and yell and everything else, and I just ask for them to bring it every game. Last thing for Wolfpack coach Kevin Keats again. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Keats NCSU. Do you leave most of the bubble talk and analysis to others? Because you may even be surprised by this. Maybe you follow it closely. I don't know. Do you know what ACC basketball team? out of 15, has the best record in what the selection committee calls quad one games right now? No, I don't. I think you're going to tell me. I am. I it's no, I, it's I, your I, team. It's. I mean, this is incredible to me, Coach. In quad one games, your Wolfpack is five wins and two losses. Even Duke is four and two. Louisville's four and three. And Florida State and Virginia are three and three. So, really? I know you've got some other games you wish didn't get away, but... I mean, quad one is kind of complicated. You know, it's top 75 teams at their place and top, uh, what, 50 games neutral, top 30 games at your place, whatever. It can change day to day. But five and two against what the NCAA committee calls your most difficult challenges, that's a heck of a record. Well, listen, that that is a good record. And you're right, um, DG. I I expect you to make sure that you pump that national one. Um, I'm not going to do it. No, I get Uh, it. You know, I'm going to sit back. But that's that's pretty good. And that says a lot about our guys and the way we're moving the program. But I did not know that fun fact. And that's a good one. And, um, you know, we're just going to keep on. We got a lot of basketball to play, yeah. and we're just going to keep plugging along. I wish I could claim that I was more powerful. I will continue to scream that number from the rooftops, Coach. Five and two sounds really, really good, but uh, sadly, hey, I have no voice, influence on the committee. Your voice goes a long way, man, <laughs> so don't, don't set yourself short. Hey, thanks, man, and congratulations again. We always appreciate you squeezing us in here on the David Glenn Show.
Man, anytime. Thank you, DJ. You got it. 8866 Wolfpack over Duke. We're coming back to your calls on the other side. Some of you were there. Some of you are Duke fans who have questions about where the Blue Devils go from here. Other than Trey Jones and Vernon Carey, there were not a lot of great contributions for the Blue Devils, and that is a concern given what it takes to win championships, a supporting cast to go with your star players. The stars showed for the Devils but really nobody else did. The Wolfpack had their veterans step up in huge ways, and Coach Keats talked about all of them. Markel Johnson, career-high 28. Devin Daniels, career-high 25. DJ Funderburk, 21 points, 9 rebounds, 3 steals. All three of those guys were efficient, really, at both ends while putting up those numbers. You need your best players, and you certainly need your veterans to step up when times are difficult. That is exactly what happened for the Wolfpack last night. Still work to do, but it's funny. We're back in, in some ways where we were in the preseason, with the obvious exception of UNC. I don't know anybody who correctly predicted the debacle that has become the Tar Heel season. Other than that, do you all remember who we mostly talked about in the preseason? Duke and Louisville as top-tier teams. Here they are, top-tier teams months later. We talked about Florida State as an NCAA-caliber team. UVA, the year after the national title, they wouldn't be as good, obviously, but still an NCAA competitor. The Wolfpack was in that conversation. The Tar Heels were, too. But other than that huge miss, I think we're really back to five of the six teams that we circled in the preseason. I also kind of whiffed on Notre Dame. I thought the Irish would be better than they turned out to be. They're more of an NIT team. But this Wolfpack had in it much of what you saw last night. Now, 88-66, 22-point victory over Duke, that's certainly special. And in some cases, it was unprecedented, as those historical numbers I gave you earlier reflect. But that's what the Wolfpack has in it. That's what those who have been taking shots at the pack saying, why do you guys talk about them having this higher ceiling? Why do you talk about them as a potential, you know, you know the calls that we get the day after they lose to the Tar Heels or whatever when they're supposed to beat the, this year's Carolina team. Why do you got, what do you see in them even after these ugly defeats? This is what many of us saw. DJ Funderburk is a quality ACC caliber big guy. Markel Johnson, Devin Daniels, and C.J. Bryce are fourth and fifth-year guards who have accomplished significant things at the college level, including in a Wolfpack uniform, some of those guys being transfers. That's what you need. Proven commodities at guard who've been around the block are incredibly valuable come March Madness or even big games like last night in the month of February. A little bit of inside-outside balance is incredibly valuable. Funderburk, I know Manny Bates didn't have numbers last night, but having a shot blocker down there just to harass Vernon Carey for a while, just to intimidate dribble-drive uh, penetrations from the opponent. Like, there's a lot of pieces to like there, and those pieces came together magically last night. Wolfpack 88, Blue Devils 66. You want in on the Wolfpack side or the Blue Devil side, you can chime in with your question or comment on the other side. If you were there, you can share your experience. Maybe you were there at the Bell Tower partying with Kevin Keats around midnight, 1-800-849-2761. We also have two floating questions of the day. When was the last time you got excited about a heavyweight boxing match? Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury on Saturday night in Las Vegas, a pay-per-view match. 
is the answer for some American sports fans. It's been almost 20 years for some since they cared about heavyweight boxing. That is a championship bout. And did you hear that Little League baseball commissioners, not a lot, but some, are refusing to allow their teams to use the nickname Astros this coming season because the Houston Astros have played the game and have been proven to cheat in a way that would violate, for example, the Little League pledge to play fairly. If you were a Little League baseball commissioner, would you stop using the Astros nickname, or do you think that's going just a little bit too far? You can chime in there at 1-800-849-2761. John Gilbert, the ECU athletic director, will be with us in hour number three to share some exciting news that came out earlier today regarding the Pirates football program and their season opener later in 2020. Jonathan Jones from CBS on all things NFL, including a proposal that is likely to be accepted, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, that would involve the league moving from 16 to 17 regular season games, from 12 to 14 playoff teams, and there's one tweak in this proposal that I think resolves a money anomaly that has existed in the current collective bargaining agreement for quite some time. I'll tell you about that one weird aspect of that NFL story as we come back to your calls. 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. <laughs> You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Show. Jonathan Jones on the NFL's big news. Adam Schefter of ESPN reporting there may be a new collective bargaining agreement. What does that mean for you as a fan? Well, labor peace. You don't have to go to bed at night worrying about whether your routine as a lover of NFL football is going to be interrupted by some kind of work st- stoppage or strike or other labor strife. It's not a done deal yet. But Schefter and others are reporting on the optimism of the deal. We're, of course, talking about the Wolfpack's big win over Duke and other college basketball. We have a baseball question of the day and a sports fan question of the day. When was the last time you really cared about a heavyweight boxing match? And does Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury this Saturday night in Las Vegas on pay-per-view fit that description for you? Many of our listeners have not cared much about heavyweight boxing since guys like Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield stopped being in the spotlight a little less than 20 years ago. Maybe this is different for you. Wilder's already been a heavyweight champ for five years. He's 34 years old, so it's not like, you know, he's got a lot left in the tank. you got to jump on this bandwagon now or probably not at all. 1-800-849-2761. And if you missed the headline, some Little League baseball commissioners are saying that their leagues are going to stop using the Astros nickname because the Houston Astros have disgraced it 
with their sign-stealing scandal. Is that going too far? Is that sending the right message in the right way? We have had Little League coaches chiming in on our statewide platform today. Jonathan Jones of CBS on the NFL. Later this hour, ECU's athletic director, John Gilbert's going to be with us. Some exciting news for the Pirates. They get a special national spotlight this fall because an NCAA waiver was approved for ECU football about its matchup against Marshall later this year. Some fun news from Greenville as John Gilbert drops by next hour. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. As we go to Matt in Greensboro and you, Darren Vaught, if you were a, this is not a hypothetical where you are either a billionaire or going to the airport with your supermodel girlfriend, sadly. However, you are, and this has got to be pretty cool too, you are an elite football player on an NFL roster. You can even make up your own salary for purposes of this hypothetical. You are on a team that is so good, and let's just push the envelope. You're one of the stars, Darren, on this team that is so good that it's not only in the playoffs, it is a high seed in the playoffs. So you get a buy in the first round. Okay. As the new collective bargaining agreement is seemingly on the way, again, according to Adam Schefter and others, get ready for a 17-game regular season, not 2020. That'll probably be 2021 instead. It's currently 16. What are the players getting returned for that? Well, they're not in love with this, but the NFL's argument is, well, we're going to play one fewer regular se- one fewer preseason game in exchange for that one more regular season game. Again, the players are not dumb enough to just fall for that. What do star players like Darren say? Well, man, I watch from the sidelines during that preseason game, and I get my brains beat in during that new game number 17 because I'm a star player. Not a fair trade. You'll be happy to hear that the collective bargaining agreement also includes a rise, and we all knew this, what it, when push comes to shove, it's usually about the dollars, the Benjamins, the green. Players get 47% of a certain type of revenue. They would get 48% under this new CBA, and it would bump to 48.5%, which might not sound like a lot. You know what a half of a percentage point is worth in this case? How about $5 billion with a B? $5 billion <laughs> spread among new income for all these NFL players. So, yeah, they're going to have their philosophical debates on this and that and the power of the commissioner and player discipline and all those other things. But everybody on both sides wants to know how's the financial pie being divided. And, yes, the players would get a higher percentage if they're willing to agree to the expansion to 17-game regular season. They're also going to expand the playoffs to 14 teams instead of the current 12. What will that do? For example, the Rams and the Steelers would have made the playoffs this past year where the new rules already in effect. They were the first ones to miss the cut in each conference. So get used to the idea of only one bye in each conference. So the very best record will get a bye. The Kansas City Chiefs would have had to play under this new format on the opening weekend of the NFL postseason, they got, remember, they were one of two AFC teams that had such good records they got to buy. So a lot will change. And of course, money is involved here, too. What do you think the NFL's opening weekend will get, TV eyeballs wise, when there are six games on Wild Card Weekend? So there'll be three on Saturday, three on Sunday, and with a 14 teams in the playoff expansion, one bye in each league. But the other six play each other, so that's six total games. 
three on Saturday from noon to midnight, probably three on Sunday. You dominate that weekend and your TV partners are ponying up the bigger dollars because you will have more inventory to offer, right? TV eyeballs for playoff games in the NFL are as as close to a sure thing as anything that American television has to offer with the Super Bowl being the 100 million average TV viewers example of that, sometimes even more. But even the regular playoff games, 20 million, 30 million, et cetera, it really matters. TV partners will pay for that. And now, of course, the players can be kept happy because their percentage is going up and their total dollar amount will be going up. Let me ask you this, because here's the anomaly that I promised. As that star player, you were so good, maybe your team went 15-1, and one, Darren, or, or under this new, new format, 17 regular season games. Let's say you were 15-2, and two, all right? You, under the current collective bargaining agreement, if you were on, say, the Chiefs or the Patriots this past year or the teams that got buys in the NFC, the best teams in the league, that's why you get to sit and watch and heal as everybody else beats themselves up, beats each other up in the, uh, the early round of the NFL postseason. Would you think, and I'm, I think you would know enough by now to know that you get, it's not like you play the postseason for free as an NFL player. Oh, right. It is famous in NFL locker rooms among, do the kids call them the wags, the wives and girlfriends? It is, it is famous among players and wags that you get a check for each round of the postseason. Here's the logical anomaly as we come back to your calls and go to Jonathan Jones. If you're the star player on the team that got a bye, would you think you and your wife or girlfriend get that week one postseason check because, man, you not only made the playoffs – you're so good, you get to watch. Or would you not get that check because you're not actually playing a game while sitting home and watching perhaps the other teams in the NFL postseason? This, this answer has shocked me, and you know me well enough to probably know what that means the answer is. Would you get a check by being on that playoff team that gets a bye, or would you only get a check if you're on one of the lesser teams that finished low enough that they have to play in the, the wild card weekend. I mean, certainly they wouldn't penalize you for being one of the best teams That's in the, the NFL. That's the logic, right? You want to talk about some really unhappy wags? Have you ever had that look from the wag? I have. I get it fairly regularly, actually, when they think that check is coming down the pike. But, honey, you finished in first place. But, Darren, you guys were 15-2. and two. You're not going to tell me that because you were so good, you don't get a check and the rest of these guys do? Would you believe the current collective bargaining agreement works that way? And you know what? The NFL headquarters has gotten pushback. Why? Because players don't like it and wags don't like it. And you know what's being written into the new collective bargaining agreement, including the changes in these percentages that I'm talking about? And 16-game regular season becomes 17-game regular season, and 12-team playoff becomes 14-team playoff. You know what also is being written in, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN? The closing of that loophole. And, Darren, if you are good enough to be on that championship-caliber team that earns, remember, they're only going to be one bye in each conference under this new format Yes, indeed, under the new CBA, you and your WAG 
will get that playoff check, even if you're so good, you're just sitting on your couch with your wag watching the other teams play in the playoffs. What do you think? Doesn't that isn't that a nice tidy closing of a loophole? Yeah, no, Something it certainly right makes up for that. a for a an, an omission, a glaring omission in the last CBA. We're not going to penalize success that way in the United States of America, are we? Not in the National Football League. That's the way it is for now. That, along with all those other things, are about to change. Matt in Greensboro, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Jonathan Jones is on the other side from CBS Sports, senior NFL reporter. We will also get to John Gilbert, ECU Athletic Director, in hour number three. Let's go to JJ on the other side. We'll get to Matt in Greensboro on more college basketball after JJ on the NFL next. Davo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man, are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, 80. <laughs> Eight zero. The original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. More of your phone calls a little bit later. College basketball and questions of the day included. Joining us now with the NFL in the headlines again. Maybe a new collective bargaining agreement on on the way. Draft still a couple months away, but remember the combine is almost here. Jonathan Jones, senior NFL reporter for CBSSports.com is joining us now. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. JJ, how are you? I'm doing well, DG, I appreciate you having me on again. Always great to have you. The players have resisted extending the regular season for some obvious reasons, and yet, according to reporting right now, they may be in the process of signing up for both an expanded playoff and an expanded regular season. What uh, all goes into motivating them to say yes if that turns out to be the new CBA? Uh, the motivation that is uh, that we all as humans on this earth today know, and it is about money. And that is what the owners can dangle out there. That's what they can show them as, hey, listen, we'll give you guys a larger piece of the pie if you give us what we want. And obviously that's how negotiations go. So here's what's happening is that we've had a 16-game regular season in the NFL since 1978. And the owners for the last several years have wanted to expand it. The players obviously have been resistant to that without getting something in return. Now what the owners are saying is we know that you can make up to 48% of the revenue pie, or excuse me, 47%, but what if we add to that? What if we make it 48%? What if we make it 48.5%? And still it's not 50% or 52 like we have seen in other leagues, including the NBA, with revenue splitting. But still, it is a significant difference. And then what the players are going to have to look at is, hey, the TV contract negotiations are going to be coming up after the end of the 2022 season. That will then be another spike in revenue. So if we can get that extra percent, percent and a half each year, that could really increase the salary cap, not by this $10 million per year that we have seen over the last seven or so years in the NFL, it could spike anywhere between 20 to 30 each season. And obviously, uh, that, would, that would mean quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins, when he makes $30 million a year, well, the next Kirk Cousins would be making $45 million a year. And you know what? We wouldn't even be blinking an eye at it. So that is what is on the table right now for those players. That's what the owners can then go out there, and then they have to say to themselves, hey, do we want to play one more game? It, is that worth all that money? Jonathan Jones joining us. Follow him on Twitter, of course, at Jay Jones, and then the number nine at Jay Jones 9. Find his work nowadays 
at CBSSports.com. In all the sports that we follow, it seems like expanding the playoffs tends to be an easier sell to the players or the Players Association. The latest proposal has the NFL going from 12 to 14 playoff teams. I mean, we live in a world where more than half the teams make the playoffs in the NBA and the NHL. Football has been a little closer to the baseball way of doing things, a much lower percentage of teams making the playoffs. Do you see this as kind of a no-brainer because enough owners and enough players, you know, want that extra cash? You know, I understand it. That doesn't mean that I like it. And so, first of all, let's just say that there are other revenue streams that are out there. If these owners and players want to make extra money, why not just add a jersey patch for, for ad- advertisements? It would obviously – imagine the Dallas Cowboys with a jersey patch right there on the chest. Mm. Uh, we've seen it, of course, in the NBA. That baseball has tested on sleeves, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying that we're having to turn NFL into NASCAR, but there's – there's another uh, revenue stream right there, and we can continue to figure these things out. In terms of the playoffs, I don't like that 44% of the NFL is now going to get to play in January. Uh, I, I, I don't like that. I love the exclusivity of it. I don't think that just good teams should be playing uh, in uh, the postseason. I think that you have to be, at some point in the season, great. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, in 2019, were not, at no point were they great, but they would have gotten in as the seventh seed in the AFC. But the, the, the tougher issue for me in all of this is not adding in a 9-7 and seven Los Angeles Rams team into the postseason. The issue for me is removing the first round by from the number two seed. I think that that gives too great an advantage to the team that wins the conference, and ultimately they win the conference through any number of tiebreakers most years. So uh, if you look at it, let's apply it to this past season, for example. The Kansas City Chiefs would have had to play three games as the number two seed in order to face the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, whereas the Niners, of course, were the one seed in the NFC, only had to play two, still would play two. I think that that would have given the 49ers a distinct advantage, a huge advantage. The Niners would have crushed the Green Bay Packers uh, even more so than they did had the Packers played an extra game leading up to that with no buy. I don't find that to be fair in a league where the margins are so slim. Where basically, as long as you're not the 32nd team in the league, most anyone, it can be a seven-point game no matter who you're playing on any day. And I think that the margins are too slim to just give one team in each conference that first-round buy. I wonder if you have uh, come across reactions to an anomaly in the current CBA. I've heard from former players that I know and even their wives that they were shocked to learn under the current CBA that if you make the playoffs but you're so good you get a bye, you don't get that big, fat postseason check that players and families have come to look forward to. The way the team's playing on Wild Card Weekend obviously do get those checks. Apparently, that loophole is going to be closed if the current CBA talks continue in the same direction they're headed right now. Have you come across that? where They're like players or wives surprised when those playoff checks didn't come. It's almost like a penalty that you were so good you got to sit and watch that first weekend. That's right. And, you know, a lot of teams, and this is outside of the realm of the NFL salary cap, and it would not touch the players, but a lot of teams, when we're talking about the equipment staff and the video staff, et cetera, et cetera, um, uh, folks who are outside the purview of the salary cap, teams will then give those folks uh, playoff bonuses, whether they play in that wild card weekend or not. So you see that across the league. But, yes, 
certainly uh, they have they are going to close that loophole and give these guys uh you know a few tens of thousands of dollars for sitting at home on that first weekend in january and again it's almost like uh, what the NFL is doing about, hey, we're not going to uh, criminalize you too much on weed, or maybe we're not even going to test you for marijuana anymore. It's like, yeah, well, I don't know, I don't know why that wasn't a thing already. I don't consider that necessarily an olive branch. Uh, but the NFL, of course, and the owners are extending it to players as such. When if I were a player and I were one of the 32 members of the union, I'd say, no, that's a given. You're going to do that, and that's you're not getting me anything that wasn't already on the table. I don't know if this has hit your radar, but Hayden Hurst, the tight end from the Baltimore Ravens, kind of went public maybe to a greater degree than he has in the past with the depression that he's lived with and even a suicide attempt four years ago where he was quoted saying if he had a gun that night, he probably would have killed himself. He only had a knife. He cut his wrist. He was saved by a friend of his who, of course, got him to the hospital. It feels like even in your time covering the NFL – there have been more guys willing to speak out in more ways about mental health issues. Uh, you think that's a changing society thing? Is the NFL helping in that way at all? Because you know, for heck, even most of your lifetime, these are taboo issues that you know men in, in uh, testosterone-driven locker rooms don't talk about out loud very often. Yeah, it, it certainly has changed across society, the destigmatization uh, of these things. And obviously that's that's great for everyone. It's certainly fantastic for those who uh, live with, suffer from uh, these issues daily uh, and those and their loved ones around them. And so, uh, the, you know, I don't tire of, of these stories. I think that it's great that Hayden Hurst comes out with it because that will only influence, uh, you know, someone else, whether this is a – you know, Steve Smith talked about uh, his issues about a year ago. And whether you are in line to get a gold jacket for Canton or, you know, you're a young tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, I think that each one of these stories absolutely matters uh, and that it, it, it will encourage the next guy or, or you know, the next uh, woman athlete, whomever it may be, to uh, speak out on these issues. And so I applaud any time an athlete. Uh, in football uh, or in any other locker room uh, speaks out about their issues. We have to wait basically one more month for full-fledged free agency, but we did just see Greg Olson, formerly of the Panthers, sign with the Seahawks. Uh, We did see the announcement by 41-year-old Drew Brees that he is going to play another year and he is going to stay with the Saints. Uh, You have, I guess, the combine on your radar. What else are you watching Uh, over these next four weeks as Panthers fans are wondering about the future of Cam Newton. uh, We still have the draft two months away. What's kind of on your front burner along with the combine next week? Well, I think everybody in the NFL world is is looking at Tom Brady, uh, what that means for the New England Patriots dynasty if he is to leave, what that means for certain free agents who, you know, if he goes to a team, let's say the L.A. Chargers, uh, for example, what that means not only for their salary cap, but what players would want to go join him there. Does that become a destination spot? I think that over the last couple of years, we've seen an NBAization, if you will, of the NFL free agency slowly but surely. And certainly last year, it was very, very hot. Uh, I think that we could see that in the NFL where guys are like, hold on, let's see where Brady goes because I definitely want to get a ring. And Southern California living might not be that bad, just as it has happened with New England and the Patriot way. Uh, guys may want to link up with him. So I think that that's 
certainly going to be a gigantic domino there at the front of things where other teams who think they're going to be involved in the Brady sweepstakes are going to have to hold their breath. And you can take the analog of Peyton Manning's free agency tour where Arizona thought they were in it and then ended up having to extend Kevin Cobb. And uh, the New York Jets wanted to be in it and ended up having to extend Mark Sanchez. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. This could really change the landscape of the NFL for the next couple of years. But you mentioned the Carolina Panthers. It's difficult for me. I know that there's some talk out there about they're, they're monitoring the Joe Burrow situation. <laughs> um, what's going to happen with Cam? I'm sticking to exactly what I've been saying uh, really for the last four or so months, and that is that it is more likely than not that Cam Newton is not a Carolina Panther at the start of the 2020 season, whether uh, obviously that would have to be a trade. I can't see the Panthers just cutting him outright. Uh, but also, make no mistake about this, Panther fans, this, this team is not built to win in 2020. They're very serious about a rebuild. If you want to call it a tank, you should call it a tank, uh, and it will very much depend what they do at quarterback on how much they lean into this tank. Uh, but this is not a roster. Whether or not Cam comes back healthy, whether or not you pay Christian McCaffrey what he deserves, this is still not a team that, even with the new expanded playoffs, can sneak into the NFC at the seventh seed. And so I do believe that they understand about rebuilding. I think David Tepper is smart enough to run the numbers and say, hey, we're better off losing a lot of games than just losing a few number of games where we're about 13th in the pecking order in next year's draft. His name is Jonathan Jones. Follow him on Twitter at jjones9. Find his work as senior NFL reporter at cbssports.com. JJ, as always, thanks for dropping by, man. Have fun at the Combine. Appreciate you. You got it. 1-800-849-2761. We do still have another guest on the way. ECU's athletic director, John Gilbert, has some fun and exciting news to share. It broke earlier today. ECU, of course, will be entering season number two under their very accomplished in other places head coach Mike Houston, so optimism there for different reasons. ECU just learned, and it just became public earlier today, that the Pirates did get approval for a special waiver to basically start their seasons earlier than everybody else this year. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, you probably once saw in the great movie We Are Marshall. That was commemorating tragedy in college football world from 50 years ago. The charter jet carrying the Marshall football team crashed on their way back to West Virginia after playing the Pirates here in Greenville, North Carolina. Well, that 50-year anniversary is going to be celebrated. Those victims and their families are going to be honored. It was just a matter of whether the NCAA would allow ECU and Marshall to play a football game later this year in their own national spotlight on their own weekend with no other college football really happening. Finally, that waiver was approved. John Gilbert's going to drop by to elaborate on that exciting news from earlier today. 1-800-849-2761. We've got a little baseball. We've got a little boxing. We've got a lot of Wolfpack and Blue Devils to discuss. You can jump in on the headlines of the day, question, comment, or otherwise, by dialing 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show throwback justice league you know batman wonder woman superman aquaman if there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life aquaman is your guy zay jones is dominating the three cone drill aquaman is dominating the talk to porpoises drill this is the david glenn show 
three will include another great guest. John Gilbert has some fun news to share from ECU involving Pirates football. He will drop by midway through hour number three. Hour three will begin with more of your calls. Some of you are concerned about the Duke Blue Devils after the historic beating they took last night in Raleigh. Many of you are understandably excited about the Wolfpack. 88-66 over the Devils. Still work to be done for NC State. Number eight, Florida State, coming to town on Saturday in the Wolfpack's next challenge. If you were there, share your story. If you have questions or comments, dial us up now. 1-800-849-2761. John Gilbert from ECU later. More of your phone calls on the MLB, boxing, hockey, college hoops, and NFL headlines of the day. Happy snow day from us to you from the David Glenn Show. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is the David Glenn Show.